0: Hello, and welcome to the Football Outsiders Radio Hour on twitch.tv slash FB Outsiders. I am Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders, joined this week by Mike Tanier and Andrew Potter of Scramble for the Ball. We are here for the FO Radio Hour. As I always say, it's not actually on the radio and it's kind of an hour, but it is on Twitch every Thursday at one o'clock. And don't forget also that we have the fantasy show with Scott Spratt. Now also on Twitch, that's Tuesdays at 1 o'clock Eastern. So right now we're streaming twice a week, 1 o'clock Eastern, Tuesdays and Thursdays. So we are here to talk about wide receiver prop bets and training camp news. But first, I need to know who I should take with my first pick in my grand multi-league fantasy league, where we play baseball, basketball, and football all at the same time.
1: (laughs) That's right.
0: I'm going to confuse Andrew Potter here by dropping the name of baseball players, but I have to decide in a two QB league, do I take Mahomes? Do I take Travis Kelsey, Giannis, Luka Doncic, or a baseball player? Which I've already gotten pushback because I thought Mike Trout would be the best baseball player to take. But I guess because of all his injuries, he's no longer considered number one. I'm leaning towards Mahomes. The people on uh, Twitter think I should take Mahomes with
1: my first pick. I'm leaning towards going across the pond and asking Andrew where where he stands on this.
0: Yeah, what do you think? Ronald Acuna or Mike Trout, Andrew? (laughs) Uh,
2: Acuna sounds more Latin, so Acuna? I don't know. He's more Um, healthy. Well... That's got to count for that counts for a great deal, actually. I think one of the things we kind of lose sight with, in fact. Oh, well,
0: Cunha's not more healthy. Cunha's out for the year, too. Both the Cunha and Trout are hurt. That's true. It's luckily it's next year's baseball season. It's football season now, basketball over the winter, and then baseball next spring. So it's next year's baseball season.
1: This sounds um, like torture. I'd ask you about the scoring, but I. I it's just I three, don't, sep- don't. It's three
0: separate leagues, and whoever. <laughs> Whoever does the best over the three leagues uh, wins the prize. Uh, Matt Noskow says I should go with Fernando Tatis. Really? Yes. Over okay. Giannis and uh, Patrick Mahomes. The, the sure. first pick was Nikola jo- Jokic? Jo- Jokic, Jokic, Jokic from the Denver Nuggets. And then the next five picks were running backs.
1: <laughs> For I don't some reason, this at all. I think
0: it's (laughs) it's time because football is the first sport that gets played. We Uh end up that in the grand like draft way more football guys get taken than basketball or baseball guys, just because it's what's on our mind right now. We do a grand draft where you can take anybody in the three leagues. Then we do a separate football, basketball and baseball drafts to finish out our rosters.
1: Man, they need to legalize gambling in your state. i will wean you off of this, this nonsense really quickly. The fantasy, multi-league,
0: still legal in Massachusetts, unlike gambling, <laughs> which is not legal in Massachusetts. But we will – luckily, it is still legal for me to look up lines. Good. So I was able to – not Otani, someone says. You, you can only play Otani as a pitcher or a hitter, not as both.
1: Oh, for hmm. God's sake. So there's rules – on top of the rules of this chaos
0: well because most of the fantasy baseball um, services that are out there yahoo ESPN etc they 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 don't have it that you can do Otani as both because they didn't know what the heck to do when Otani showed up and all of a sudden was doing both because all of baseball has always been based on the idea that pitchers and hitters are totally different be like having a kicker who also played running back
1: Right, right. I remember the fights we used to have with Cordell Stewart. Guys in my league were like, he should be able to count as a wide receiver. It's like, yeah, so you can play two quarterbacks. No way you're no way you're messing with the system in any way there.
0: Well, they had that last year with Taysom Hill, where Taysom yeah. Hill counted as a tight end in ESPN leagues, right. and then all of a sudden became the starting quarterback. Right. Yeah. And they had to untight end him, I think, <laughs> and make it so now he was just a quarterback, so you weren't getting quarterback points in your tight end spot. Or as many quarterback positions, you know, as many quarterback points as Taysom Hill is going to get you. I guess all running points. Who remembers when Joe Webb would be listed as a wide receiver? Who remembers when Marcus Colston was a tight end?
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs)
0: Oh, that was a good year. Did you get Marcus Colston? I picked him up on waivers after week one. That was awesome.
1: I remember that now. I remember having to make the ruling on that when I was commissioning a league. But it was only a football league. It was not a combination football, rugby, sevens. (laughs) Golf. <laughs> we, we don't have
0: <laughs> hockey we don't have rugby we don't have soccer oh, you need it's just to get baseball it. basketball football you need to
2: get hockey in there
0: we need to i don't i have no idea how scoring i mean i guess it's just goals and assists but i don't know i yeah. guess in a goalie spot i don't know what else counts for hockey so i pay oh, yeah. very very little attention to hockey
1: i was in one in like 96 and penalty minutes would count so you could have like your enforcer goon on the team so a, minutes silly... are a good thing or a bad thing it was a good thing because it's fantasy it's like well you pick a guy and he's like your your penalty yeah. star you know maybe it's that was like, a really version but you know
0: i remember the original basketball rotisserie basketball book oh wow. that described how to do fantasy basketball they had a rule where you had to have a seven foot tall white guy on your team <laughs> Or a guy who could jump no higher than a slice of toast.
1: (laughs) So a a flat circle in terms of the uh, uh, the Venn diagram is what they
0: had. They had a they had a a special dispensation, so guys like Minute Bowl would count as your tall stiff.
1: Good night, folks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's talk about camp. Training camps are open in the NFL. There's lots of interesting things going on. And it's always, you don't never know how to take training camp news, whether you take it with a grain of salt or like an entire can of salt or.
1: (laughs) Right. um, Chili fries, that much salt.
0: Let's actually start with the Eagles because you were just at Eagles camp. You were at Eagles camp the last couple of days, football outsiders going to training camp. So what, tell me what you saw and how it felt and how Nick Sirianni feels different from what they had before with Frank, uh, with um, Doug Peterson.
1: It felt great. It was weird. I'm going to tell you this right now. When you go as visiting media now because of you know COVID protocols, you're like on super secret probation. So I was a level two Q, paragraph C, Omicron level media person. I couldn't sit with the other media and I was not allowed to ask a question. So I was literally allowed to be seen and not heard like a, you know, like a kindergartner at the, at the big kids table. But I, I still got to see a lot. It was interesting because I got to watch Jalen Hurts for a couple of days and feel like he was comfortably growing into something like a, being the starting quarterback, you know, uh, uh, taking all the first team reps, looking relatively solid in the first team reps, sounding like a, a leader, authority presence. And then I get done camp and we come back and there's another Deshaun Watson rumor starting and, you know, all these wildfire whispers about how they're close. You can blame
0: Chris Trepasso for that one. I believe that's right. Chris Trepasso's rumor.
1: Yeah, and I love Chris, and I trust him more than some of the other people who are yammer-yammering about this in the past, Eskin. Uh, but, like, uh, Sirianni, it's interesting because in the media around here, people just assume that he's a puppet, that Lorian Roseman grab the – grab like, what Jerry Jones would grab, grab the Dave Campo-type guy who's just going to go out there and follow orders. He comes across very dynamic, very energetic. His practices have a different tone to them. I've never seen a quicker, shorter – it's short. It's a short practice. But almost everything is 7-on-7, seven 11-on-11, seven, 11 11, team versus team, player versus player. Not a lot of individual stuff, not a lot of install. So he looks like somebody who's out to put his own stamp on things. Hurts looks like somebody who's out there to put his own stamps and to really compete and, and then possibly be impressive as a starter. And that's a push-pull against the idea that this is just some rebuilding team and they're in a holding pattern until they can trade for Deshaun or trade for Aaron Rodgers, et cetera. So, so there's kind of like two forces operating at once here in Philly.
0: And CEO the Legend points out, supposedly, Kimberly Jones on NFL Network debunked the Deshaun Watson rumors and said there wasn't much to them. And I, yeah. that sounds logical, nothing against Chris Trapasso, but I can't imagine that any team would trade for Watson until we know what his legal situation is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the only thing is, and Mike Kay, who covers the Eagles, brought it up. Like, at this point, we know Easter Bree is a bit of a loose ca- cannon right now. And he might be in panic mode, and he might be sell, 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 and like teams could be calling they're looking for bargains. Like this guy doesn't even understand how, how the process works in terms of a player's value. I might be like, yeah. oh my god, I can't put him on the field right now. I don't know what's happening. And, and and Roseman could be on the phone right now trying to shake him loose for some unbelievably low amount of draft uh, picks.
0: Um, how did uh, Jalen Rieger look? Because. Um... I'm all of a sudden blanking on the name of the guy who does Matt Harmon from Yahoo, who does his reception perception analysis, where he analyzes wide receivers on like every route, even when they're not targeted. I I gave Rieger horrible scores for last year.
1: Hmm. I don't doubt it. I mean, it was hard to tell where Rieger ended and the problems with Wentz and the rookiness of Hertz began Beginning a camp, Rieger's, uh, a close friend of Rieger's was, was murdered, was a victim of violence. Ooh. Rieger shows up kind of out of shape, doesn't do the, or not, maybe not out of shape, a little bit banged up, doesn't do the conditioning test very well, and seems to kind of have his head in the fact that a close childhood friend had died, was kind of being eased in slowly at that point. Yesterday, there was a brouhaha, I was not there, uh, but where Rieger ran a wrong route, something like that, got chewed out on the field by Siriani. Today, again, I wasn't here for this. He makes a great play. Sirianni praises him. Obviously, there's a little bit of, like, person management going on with Rieger. When I was there, there were one or two plays where he flashed that absolute speed. He caught, like, a little pass and took off, and it was not tackling to the ground, but he blasted past everybody and, like, oh, there's that speed. There's that thing we talk about. Otherwise, really, really quiet. It was really quiet for all the receivers. Devontae Smith is hurt right now. Rieger wasn't looking really good. A lot of the plays were just getting funneled to the tight ends, funneled to the backs when I was there. And that's not good for the overall health of the Eagles offense. There's A lot of a lot of uh, draft capital at wide receiver, and I wasn't seeing a lot out there.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because in walkthrough today, you talk about the fact that there's really no young core with the Eagles. There's a little bit of one because I went and looked then. So I'm working on an article that's going on ESPN Plus, I think this coming weekend, which is our um, – Ranking all 32 teams by talent under the age of 25. And I went, look, we actually had the Eagles 25th. Out so not dead last. Yes. Okay. I mean, low. Right. Uh, but I mean, every, it's like every team has some young talent except for the Rams and Texans. <laughs> <laughs> they have very little Rams and the Rams have hit on a couple of lower round draft picks like Jordan Fuller and the Texans have nothing. Yeah. Um, but there is, I mean, you know, there is hope of Riga rebounding. There's Devontae Smith, there's Hurts, there's Miles Sanders, who's still under 25. And then there's a lot of offensive linemen who got some playing time last year, but may not, you know, if all hopes are that they don't start this year. Hmm. Although that includes Jordan Mailata, who you seem to feel like is likely to start over Dillard.
1: It's, it's funny. Uh. The, the Beats have been really on this because it's like one of the major stories. Dillard versus Melata in camp. Um, and yesterday, excuse me, Tuesday was the first full day of padded practices. And uh, Malata has been winning the battle. But uh, it's 11 on 11, drum. Malata's going out there. He's blocking. I forget who. Maybe Barnett, maybe Sweat. A couple of 11 on 11 blocks them blocks him really, really well. They switch over to Dillard, still with the ones. So Dillard's getting his chance with the ones. I think it was, I, I keep saying Sweat or Sweet. I forget the... Josh Sweat. Josh Schwett gets backed up into Hertz and uh, back, excuse me, backs Dillard pretty much into Hertz, kind of picks him up and kind of shoves him into Hertz before the ball comes. Just here you go, Dillard, and just blows him into the quarterback. And a bunch of them start giggling. I'm not going to name names, but like, I've seen enough. Yep, yeah, I've seen enough. And they're like frosting off on the list that they're going to talk about the uh, about the, the, the controversy. Anyway. So it looks like Mulata, And of does look pretty solid. I mean, he's giant. He's got the coolest accent I've heard since Andrew came on. <laughs> um, but uh, he's bottom line is it looks like Dillard is heading towards not being what the Eagles were hoping for. The good news is there's a replacement there.
0: Yeah. So uh, the um, the other the biggest news of the week is speaking of X Eagles is, you know, we talk about like camp stuff and does it matter or not? The most important thing that matters in camp is injuries. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk about the Indianapolis Colts who are now without Carson Wentz for five to 12 weeks or, and, sorry, and, not old, <laughs> and, uh, without Quentin Nelson for five to 12 weeks. So it's likely that they're without those guys for September, possibly later. So the first question is, it's funny because some of the debate online has been, which is the bigger loss, Wentz or Nelson? <laughs> Like normally you would think it's the quarterback, but if people think Wentz is so horrible Mm -hmm. that he's not going to rebound from last year, Mm -hmm. then Nelson is, I mean, a pro bowl guard. He's like the best guard in the game. That's by far a bigger loss. On the other hand, it's not like the Colts backed up Wentz with a fairly dependable quarterback. They've got a Jacob Eason is a fifth rounder from last year. Who's never played regular season snaps. And then there's Sam Erlinger, who was a fifth or a sixth rounder this year. And uh, that's what they've got. Like, and they're not going out and signing a veteran. They've said that this is they're going with this until Wentz comes back.
1: Well, Frank Reich has to say, this is Carson Wentz's team about five or six times per press conference, because you've got to reassure Carson Wentz that this is Carson Wentz's team. (laughs) <laughs> um and and, and uh, that's a big problem but the, in, in terms of that debate if your if your argument is quentin nelson is more important than your quarterback because your quarterback stinks then all hope is lost anyway That doesn't matter how good your guard is because your team is so bad that that's where you're at and that could be where they're at i mean i, I will see. i mean again uh, you can hear me obviously being a little more negative on carson i think most people are heard more stories around the campfire in the last couple of days here uh but uh This is the Carson Wentz experience. He gets hurt. Other people get hurt. That's out of his control. But you enter this season with lots of doubts and uncertainty.
0: Yeah. Uh, Bill Houston says, now that Wentz has satisfied his appetite for self-destruction, do you think it would be wise for the Colts to tank the season and draft a quarterback early and then come into next year as world beaters? World breakers? World beaters and breakers. I don't know. Andrew, what do you think? Do you think
2: it would be better for the Colts to tank the season? I, tanking individual seasons isn't something that I I ever would would say is a good idea. I, I understand the idea of like accumulating draft picks and having that philosophical approach mm-hmm. to roster building, but these guys are um, job security in the NFL isn't the greatest, um, even for guys who are quite high up the roster. Nobody. No veteran on that team is going to buy into the idea of tanking the season. Um, what the Colts, I think, need to find out is, is what they have in that quarterback room. Because for me, the, the the reason Wentz is a more important loss than Nelson for September is they know what they have in Nelson. Yeah. When you know, not just going beyond obviously the importance of a quarterback versus the importance of a guard, they know what they have in Nelson. I don't think they really know what they have in Wentz right now. And if they find out that they have the Wentz of 2017, then, you know, that that changes their right outlook for this season and for the future. If they find out they have the Wentz that played last season, that changes their right outlook for this season and for the future. Whereas going from Nelson to a backup guard doesn't change any of that. It doesn't change the philosophy of how the Colts are going to play out 2022 and 2023. You will know, presumably, he'll be back healthy, and and they can just move on at that position with with Nelson there with Wentz. There's just none of that same security.
0: I agree with you that in football, players never tank. Like to tank, you have to pull the good players. You'd have to, I mean, figure out a way to sit Darius Leonard. You know, right and and. Right and michael Pittman, and you wouldn't want to do that and so it's hard to do the the best way to tank is to play an inferior quarterback on purpose but of course that brings you to the question of is jacob eason an inferior quarterback on purpose um and can you even tank in the afc south as a useful title points out because it's like the weakest division in the league and the texans are in your division and uh aren't you going to just beat them twice anyway
1: Right. I, I always love the mentality of the quarterback is hurt immediately. Let's just tank the year. Let's just tank. like everybody's solution. Like not obviously not everybody, but there's like, that kernel of fans. Let's just tank the year. And it's, it's easy to do when you, you're at home and can t- change the channel and watch the other game. And it's a little harder to do when you've got 53 guys and a plan and a contract and things like that to say, we have to try to move forward here. And like it, these aren't mad. The you can't just sim the season and go on to next year.
2: Right, and and there's professional pride and there's having guys buying in. You've got um, a young player, you you already mentioned Pittman, you want Pittman to be developing with a professional level quarterback. You know, you've got all of these considerations when you're talking about tanking a season. Um, It's a whole lot easier to say as somebody from the outside looking in than it is to actually put into practice on the inside of the organisation.
0: Yeah, It is interesting that they think that assuming that they truly think this, and they're going to go with this, that they think that Eason and uh, Erlinger are better than bringing in some veteran.
1: Yeah, I think that that's part of it. I think that they're, I I don't know exactly where their cap situation right now, but I think that's an issue there. And uh, if you're trying to develop Carson Wentz, you don't necessarily want him looking over his shoulder at a potential successor. That doesn't, necessarily go well. He doesn't always respond to that in the way you would want a hyper-competitive professional to do. <laughs> so
0: Aaron. what if Eason plays well in the first four weeks?
1: Yep. Yep. It, I mean, yep. I don't
0: think it's likely, but what if he does?
1: I, I, that, the question answers him itself. Uh, Carson comes back too quickly, starts pressing. It turns into a big to-do. That, that that's That's the most likely scenario based on pretty much every season in Philadelphia.
0: So the other team that's having problems right now is Minnesota, (laughs) um, which is interesting because, I mean, they're one of our like kind of sleeper picks. Um, Oh, before we go to Minnesota, Topher Dahl says an interesting comparison is between the Colts with their backup quarterbacks and the Broncos with Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. Both have Mm -hmm. great rosters but they both have big questions at quarterback and may need to draft a quarterback in 2022. I think that that's accurate. Yeah. I mean, I like the Denver roster honestly better than I like the Indianapolis roster as far as like the whole roster, other than the quarterback position.
2: I agree.
0: Uh, and I like Bridgewater better than I like Wentz. So, um,
2: I think with, with Indianapolis, what you've got is a, a lot of um, adequate and above adequate players without a whole lot of star players. Yeah. With Denver, there's more potential to see he's going to be a star, he's going to be a star. This is how, if the Broncos are going to be a great team rather than just a good team, this is how that's going to happen.
0: Yeah, mm. your your biggest absolute stud is an off-ball linebacker, Darius Leonard. And, right. And, and, and a apart, guard. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the Vikings first of all they had to cut Jeff Gladney this week yeah. because he was um, indicted on a domestic violence assault charge so wise yeah. move there by the Vikings but yeah. it basically means they had to throw last year's first round pick away which by the way they're not the only team to do Tennessee basically threw last year's first round yeah. pick away too
1: yeah
2: well, they, they, they threw us- week, well week two <laughs> Yeah, Isaiah
0: Isaiah Wilson, the tackle who basically went AWOL on the team and decided he wanted to become a rap star. Mm.
2: Uh,
0: But they've got that issue, and then they have vaccination issues, I guess. The quarterbacks were out due to COVID, although they're now back, and uh, Case Cookham has been uh, re-released and they have vaccination issues about, I guess they're very low on the list of teams. Uh, Washington apparently is the team with the lowest vaccination rate, but Minnesota is really low too. Mm -hmm. And Mike Zimmer called out the players in the press for not getting vaccinated. And um, it's a tough because, you know, I understand that some players will have political beliefs against vaccination, but it keeps everybody safer. And like, if you're going to make unvaccinated players wear masks and uh, attend meetings differently and attend meetings over Zoom and whatever, it gives you it gives you a competitive disadvantage in training. And then if they're more likely to get COVID during the season and miss time, it gives you a competitive disadvantage during the season.
1: Yeah, uh, not to get into the idea that you can have a political opinion against against science <laughs> and, that we're su- and that we're supposed to like, well, you know, we can't uh, we can't criticize that. Um zimmer had the players getting tested they had the media able to watch them coming out of the test which i love because it's like if you really want to like turn the screws to these guys make it look very public and very sort of embarrassing that you're like having to do the separate thing uh, w- w- teachers who don't get vaccinated my personal opinion is when they have to go get tested the middle school kids should be able to watch them coming out of the testing session to for- <laughs> to force these people to do the right thing but you know we don't know we don't know the long term effects we do not know the long term effects of a week of training camp practices with Case Cookham running your quarterback room and running your practices instead of Kirk Cousins and, and Callan Mond, et cetera. We don't know what the long-term effects of that could be on a team, but it seems like it is a competitive disadvantage now. And of course, when you talk about Washington, you have Ron Rivera overcoming He's chemotherapy. cancer
0: a cancer today, survivor. Begging,
1: yeah. begging, you know, do it for me, do it for my health, do it for the team, do it for whatever. And, uh, you know, there, there's a le- there's a level of obstinance in society that I guess we can't get, get past. Like, nope, not going to do it. Sorry, coach. Not going to do it. Yeah, you know, I, I don't get it. But the, the good news is NFL's at 90 percent. For the love of for the love of God, if the NFL's at 90 percent, let's get every every other industry as close to 90 percent as possible. And then and then we can pull along the people who have like strong moral convictions against shots or are afraid of needles or whatever their excuse is right now. Let's get everybody to that level and then we maybe can stop talking about it.
2: Yeah.
0: Speaking as somebody who is afraid of needles, that is not an excuse.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Oh, that's all right. No, my kids got it too. It didn't hurt, did it?
0: Oh, not really.
1: Right. Right.
0: Um, so that brings us to the other thing that happens in training camp, which is rumors of team players being fantastic or being terrible. So Trey Lance, let's start with Trey Lance. Trey Lance is apparently the greatest quarterback who has ever been drafted in the history of the National Football League. Based on his performance against the 49ers' second defense over a period of about three days. Without pads. Without pads. (laughs) Um, He looks very good. And because he barely played last year, it, that looks, it's like extra good. It's like, wow, he looks so good after barely playing last year. Right, right. Um, so how much do you think this is Russell Wilson and Matt Flynn versus mm-hmm. how much do you think Kyle Shanahan is not pulling the wool over our eyes? He's telling the truth.
2: He plans on going with Garoppolo.
1: Andrew, you have a thought on this?
2: Um, A lot of what's coming out about Garoppolo sounds... Suspiciously like a marketing pitch, uh-huh. um, which, I, I mean, I, I'm not in a position really to, to um, obviously not being at the practices, not seeing what's going on. It sounds very Wilson and Flynn, only I think Garoppolo is better than Flynn. Uh-huh. I think Garoppolo will have more suitors. Oh, he's got a Flynn. much
0: better track record than Matt Flynn. Right. Absolutely.
2: Uh-huh. Um, so, so there's a little bit of that kind of marketing, perhaps, going on. I think if he got the right offer for Garoppolo, the fact that everybody sounds so supportive of Lance and, and everything seems to be going so well there, that that he would move him. Um, I think he's got the the slight disadvantage that the Patriots just drafted their guy, yeah, um, yeah. for the future because that's that's a call I think he would have made. Otherwise, in this situation, um, it sounds awfully like Wilson and Flynn, only Garoppolo's better than Flynn. Um, it's probably saying too much to say, you know, Lance, um, you know, you, what you say about you know being the greatest mobile quarterback in the history of the 49ers and all of that stuff <laughs> is um, after three practices. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it certainly it certainly seems to have enough smoke coming up to suggest that there, there's some of that going on there, that they're preparing for that transition.
1: Yeah, and there's a little bit of, you know, that Twitter mentality. Why is Kyle Shanahan not immediately declared Trey Lance the starter after four non-padded practices of a guy yeah. who had 13 career starts at the FBS level, uh, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? It's like because that, that's banana pants so, to like go out there and say, well, you know what? I saw two practices. This kid's played one game in the last 18 months. Well, I've seen enough. That's it. I'm going with a new starter. So I, I think Shanahan, I mean, he, you're right. It's a marketing pitch to a degree. Some of the stuff Lynch was saying was a marketing pitch, but it's also just the massaging of keeping the options open. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 when you get to the third preseason game or at the beginning, when you make the switch, you have more confidence. You've seen more reps, seen more drills. Yeah. And we might see a switch in the next week or two. But the idea that he's going to announce us, oh, you know, screw it. Lance is a starter after like five days. People forget it's been how short it's been since camp can't even opened.
0: The tough part for me is our projection. Because everybody believes that if they make the choice to go to Lance, like they wouldn't do that unless they thought Lance was better. Yeah, And everybody everybody out there who thinks that Lance is, especially in the long term, but even in the short term, Lance is better, Garoppolo has limitations, you can do all kinds of things with Lance that you can't do with Garoppolo. And yet with our projections, because of the fact that rookie quarterbacks, even first-round quarterbacks, on average, are below average. Right. If I replace Garoppolo with Lance in our projection, the 49ers projection is going to go down.
1: Hmm.
0: And I feel very awkward about it. Right. Because I mean, they they would not make the switch if they thought it was going to really make their chances of making the playoffs go down. But yeah. in our projections, it will make their chances of making the playoffs go down.
1: And that's that's the limitations of a projection system at some yeah. degree. You just can't plug in a variable for what Kyle Shanahan knows what he's doing. Variable is not a variable right. that you that you can punch in there. But I think I said it and walked through. You can also see that uh, that scenario like, yeah, oh, they switched to Lance. Oh, they run like a kind of a scaled down game plan. Oh, the defense is back. It crushes a bunch of people. And Lance winds up having like a C C plus type of rookie year.
0: Yeah. It's different with Dalton versus Fields because the Dalton projection is not that great. It's different with Newton versus Jones. That would be a little bit of a drop, right? But Garoppolo has good numbers. Like I realize people say he has limitations. If you scout him rather than looking at the numbers Right. that he, he's made by the Shanahan offense. It's a lot of the same stuff they say about Jared Goff and Sean McVay. Right. But the fact is, if you're doing a statistical projection system, you have right. to say Garoppolo has been very productive in his NFL career. Right. And you replace that with a first-round rookie, you're going to get a drop.
1: Right,
2: right. And another, made- fact, another yeah. factor, I think, in this that, that we kind of need to keep in mind is Shanahan has one winning season as a head coach so far. He's lost at least 10 games in every other season. He needs wins I think this Uh year. He needs to finish with a winning record otherwise I think questions are going to start being asked. He's not going to make the switch looking to 2022. He's going to play the quarterback that's going to win them games this year.
1: Uh Yeah, I don't think he's on a hot seat by any stretch of the imagination, but you are right that a a lot rides on that quarterback guru reputation and the quarterback guru reputation is going to ride on Lance at this point. So that's one of the things he has to keep in mind.
0: Yeah. So So lots of optimism about Lance. Another guy there's been lots of optimism about is Tua Tagovailoa, who is apparently very comfortable with the offense in Miami. And that's one where I have absolutely no idea what it means. Right? Like he looks good in camp without pads on. Right. Right. And then there's terrible pessimism about Joe Burrow. Yes. Like for I I I, like numbers from camp are always seem so meaningless, but like this number was put out there. He was five of twelve with an interception on the first day with pads. Mm -hmm. And he was lifting his leg to avoid an accident in a close pocket. And like, is he sure of his knee already? And so the question is like. Is that something to be worried about or is that like, no,
1: duh, the guy's coming back from a knee injury in the first couple of weeks. He's going to be careful. Yeah. And, and that's a tricky question. I mean, because I, I, I read the reports and it isn't just like you said, it isn't just seven on seven completion percentages. Veteran beat writers saying, oh, he's stepping out this way, looks uncomfortable here, sailing the ball here. I'd be nervous. I would be worried at this point. I mean, I don't remember seeing a second year pro coming off an in- I saw Wentz. I saw Wentz as a second year pro coming off injuries in camp. And, uh, you know, you, ha- you have to take that into account. Now we'll see in the preseason, et cetera. But the idea is like, oh, well, this is nothing. This is nothing to worry about. If these beat reporters who've been there for years, who covered Andy Dalton, who covered Burrow, maybe not as a rookie last year because it was different, uh, are saying these, you have, to, you have to at least acknowledge the fact that that's potentially a problem.
2: We, I think we're also a little bit too accustomed to to guys coming back from ACL tears and and going back straight back to the previous yeah. level. To yeah. recognise that this, you know, for for Burrow, apart from anything else, it's a multi ligament injury. So he was already behind on the ACL recovery, just because they had to get the MCL healed first. Then quarterbacks usually take a year to get back to their previous level after an ACL tear, and his previous level was a rookie behind a bad line (laughs) on a bad team. So, you know, there's a huge amount to evaluate there. For me, looking at the reports, the the stepping out of danger is more worrying than, than the... Um, Than the completion stats and the interceptions and any of that stuff because that does to me sound like he's not he's not got full confidence in that leg yet. But will it just take a few weeks of practices? Sometimes it takes getting hit and realizing that it's not going to break again mm-hmm. for for a guy to to finally feel comfortable. Sometimes it takes the full year before he's back to being comfortable with that knee. Um, you just don't know.
0: Co the legend says, I'm not sure if things have changed, but I read that Zach Wilson's first practice didn't go too well either.
1: I'm not up to date on the, on the Jets practices right now. They did
0: finally sign Wilson. That took a little bit of time.
1: Right. And first practice by rookie. I think that's, we'll put that in a totally different category. This is not a first practice by rookie situation. This is a second year player coming off an injury and you're looking at different things. So
2: um, First practice by a rookie on the Jets. Yeah, well. yeah. I yeah. guess if
0: Zach Wilson is struggling in practice, does that doesn't that just completely match our priors? Like we thought the yeah. Jets would struggle this year, and so they yeah. will. Right, right. Um, so a reminder: you are listening to or watching the Football Outsiders Radio Hour on Twitch also on YouTube and podcasting afterwards. But make sure you join us on Twitch, one o'clock Eastern on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tuesdays is the fantasy show. Thursdays is the radio hour because then you get to chat with us and we answer your questions and we respond to your comments in the Twitch chat. So the, um, the other thing we wanted to bring up this week is we wanted to talk about some players, some receivers. We had fun a couple of weeks ago, I think with the quarterback prop bets. And so this year, this week, we went and got wide receiver prop bets. And this started with Mike getting some fun, like, combined prop bets. But we're actually going to hit those last. We're going to hit just the regular prop bets first. So I split them up into eight receivers at a time. And we should have a graphic for the top eight projections that I found. Uh, this is not exactly the top 24 projections, but it's close. All right. So here are the over unders. I believe this is from DraftKings. So Stephon Diggs, 1350, Tyree Kill, DeAndre Hopkins, and Calvin Ridley all at the top. Then Justin Jefferson at 1325, Devontae Adams at 1300, and Travis Kelsey at 1300, and DK Metcalf at 1255. Wow. So these, I believe, are the top eight projected receiving. Receivers or tight ends in receiving yards based on the DraftKings over-unders. Does anyone here stand out to you that you think they're going to go over or under these numbers?
1: I'll start with my first instinct was to go over on Devontae. Yeah. And now I'm looking at Kubiak, and it's got me stepping back from that abyss, so to speak. Last year,
0: he was on pace over 16 games to have 1570. So mm-hmm. yeah, Kubiak has him at about 1250. I mean, I think that's being conservative. I
2: don't think over on Devonte Adams is that crazy. The, I mean, Devonte's been over that figure in two of the last three years. Um, he's hmm. he's the clear number one. And he's not even challenged by somebody else. You know, right. you, you could look at. Like AJ Brown in Tennessee would be would be challenged by Julio Jones coming in. And you look at DK Metcalf competing um, there with Tyler Lockett. Yeah. There's no challenge at all to Devontae Adams. If Devontae Adams is, is healthy, he's the number one target. Nobody's eating into that. So I mean, he seems as safe a bet as you're gonna get. Um, we we will cover that in in Scramble before the start of the season. And I would, I would expect Adams will be my favorite to lead, lead the league in receiving yards.
1: Hmm. I like how it looks like Kubiak's only high, higher on Diggs than the over in any yeah. significant way. And that's For the most
0: part, Kubiak is is conservative on these guys. Yeah. Diggs is an exception. And the other exception is Travis Kelsey. Hmm. Yeah. Kelsey is my favorite over here. Kelsey had over 1,500 yards last year if you prorate to 16 games. Kubiak has him at 1370 so I think over 1300 is pretty good
1: yeah yeah that is tempting I don't bet unders uh for props but like DeAndre Nuke is really kind of calling to me I'm hearing all this stuff about the other receivers there combined with Cliff Kingsbury doesn't know how to use him combined with I don't know what Kyler Murray is going to go and we have Kubiak 100 and some yards under under the over under there that's an interesting potential play too
0: Useful yes. title also likes the Hopkins under bet.
1: Yeah, if you like unders, then I would I would probably jump on that. I I, I generally only bet overs. It's a it's a weird uh, a quirk of you. That.
0: Don't like to root against players,
1: right? It feels a little creepy to do that. I yeah.
0: think the Justin Jefferson under. As much as I love Justin Jefferson and love what he did last year, I think the right. idea that there could be a little regression in year two, right. Justin Jefferson fourteen hundred last year. But Kubiak has him at twelve hundred. So I
2: like that the idea that he could regress a little bit.
1: Right. Uh, I think the, the
2: Vikings are probably going to be better this year than they were last year as well. And that kind of almost counterintuitively eats into receiving numbers. Yeah. And um, they're not gonna get have a day like where the Saints run over them for seven touchdowns again and they're constantly. <laughs> playing catch-up yeah. with a terrible defense. Right. Um, so that that might, even though he's still as efficient and as effective a receiver, still eat into those tools.
0: So, yeah, they had a game like that in week one last year too where they fell way behind the Packers and then they had to yeah. throw a ton to catch up. It was a weird game where DVOA actually liked the Vikings better than the Packers for that game. <laughs> Right. Uh, but most of what they did was in garbage time and they put right. up a lot of yards there. Um, so let's look at the next eight receivers that I picked out, uh, including a pair of teammates. Speaking of players who have been dramatically impressing everybody in camp cd lamb (laughs) everybody is talking about you know some people will be like oh cd lamb is better than justin jefferson despite what jefferson did last year so i think it's interesting that the over under has cooper ahead of lamb i will point out kubiak also has cooper ahead of lamb and last year cooper was ahead of lamb right But so these are the next eight guys that I picked out. Terry McLaurin at 1180, A.J. Brown at 1175, and Amari Cooper at 1175. And I wonder what makes Vegas uh, put a guy at 1180 instead of 1175. (laughs) Alan Robinson at 1090, Mike Evans at 1050, T. Higgins at 1050. Uh, Oh, we have wrong uh, graphics. Mike Evans should be the Bucks, and T. Higgins should be the Bengals. All right, well... That's these things happen. These things happen. CD Lamb at 10:50. Darren Waller at 10:50. And by the way, speaking of T. Higgins, we will get to Jamar Chase on the next graphic. He's at 10:25. But uh, are there any of these that stand out to you, as far as over or under?
1: I'm going. I'm very tempted to go over on Lamb. We'll talk about one of the specials I pulled up there, but. Uh, it, You know, I surrender. I surrender to the to the hype coming out of Cowboys camp in terms of how good he is, mixed with the fact that we knew he was a good ball player coming out of college, a great ball player. So it's not like oh, it's a kid coming from nowhere. Uh, And even though they've got all those weapons there, I could see that some of these are like avoid, avoid, avoid. I can actually see the under on Mike Evans. Yeah, yeah, because of of the way that goes. There's
0: just too many mouths to feed in Tampa Bay.
1: Yeah, right. right.
0: You can see that. With especially with a full year of Antonio Brown and O.J. Howard back.
1: Right. I think McLaurin's too high. I think that the number for Kubiak is right around there. They've got Samuel now. I don't think they're going to have this lights-out passing game with Fitz. Um, I'm not touching Alan Robinson overs with anybody else's money and certainly not with my own. So, yeah, this is a tricky bunch.
2: I'd go over on Alan Robinson because I think he's got a little bit of the same – as Devontae Adams, where you kind of look at who's taken those receptions away from him. Um, he should have... I, I'm not the guy who's going to say Andy Dalton's going to start the season there. I certainly don't think Andy Dalton's going to finish the season there. <laughs> and that should give him better quarterbacking than he, or more consistent quarterbacking than he had last year. And when you look at what Robinson's done with the cast of quarterbacks he's had over his career, this, if they get Fields on the field, this could be the first time in his career that mm. he's a, a legitimately professional-caliber starting quarterback. Right. And, if that's what Fields is. If that's, yeah, that, uh, you know, it could be. But he he's produced every year, no matter who, coming off an injury, he's produced Mitchell Trubisky, Blake Bortles, he's produced. Um, I'd go over on him. Cale Clinton likes the under
0: on A.J. Brown. The Titans have not had two receivers over 1,000 yards since 2004 with Drew Bennett and Derek Mason. Wow. Interestingly enough, Kubiak goes under on all of these guys except A.J. Brown, where it has it basically equal.
1: Yeah, right. And we'll see in a moment, because the next graphic we'll be seeing about for Leo Jones is a new teammate here. And that's interesting that Kubiak is speaking to us that way about that particular team that we all put 400 rushes in or whatever for their offense. Uh, <laughs> I would, I
0: would have to say if I had to go over on one of these eight guys, uh-huh. I would go with Darren Waller. All right. The Kubiak projection is a little bit below this at a thousand and five, but he had 1196 last year over mm. 16 games. I don't remember. I I didn't mark down if that actually is 16 games or if that was just a prorated number that I marked down. Yeah. But I think there's not a lot like where you're like, oh, well, this Raiders receiver is going to come in and suddenly be like much larger part of the passing game than right. he was last year. Like, do you really think Henry Ruggs is a even an 800-yard receiver? I, you know, I don't.
1: Well, if, so, he, if he is, it's going to be like 40 catches for 800 yards. There's still going to be lots of other balls going around. Yeah, He's there's still
0: lots of balls right. for Darren Waller. So if I had to go over on one of these eight guys, I would pick
2: Darren Waller. Waller's okay. been over that figure in, in both of the last two seasons. Yeah. So And, and that was a 16-game figure, not prorated for last year.
0: Yeah, um, and and I guess my under would be T Higgins just because I think Jamar Chase, I agree with um, – I agree with uh, Kubiak and with Scott, you know, Scott putting the roles into Kubiak Mm -hmm. that Jamar Chase is going to be a bigger part of the passing game than T Higgins will be.
1: That seems right. And then when you have these years about Barrow, you can bank those in for the under.
0: Yeah. So let's go to the next page. Speaking of Jamar Chase, he's the one rookie that I, I, I picked out. I probably should have grabbed a couple of the rookies like Waddle and whatever, but Jamar Chase is, Jamar Chase has the highest projection of the rookies. So, Jamar Chase, Keenan Allen, and George Kittle are all at 1,025. Cooper Cup at 1,005. Tyler Lockett at 1,000. Julio Jones at 995. Deontay Johnson at 975. And Chase Claypool at 895. And by the way, whereas on the last graphic, Kubiak was under on most of those guys, on this graphic, Kubiak is over on most Hmm. of these guys. Yeah. Yeah. And I like uh, Julio Jones. I think it is possible for the Titans to have, even though Ryan Tannehill has never had more than one receiver with a thousand yards in the same season. I think with Julio Jones and AJ Brown and not much else at the wide receiver or tight end positions, I think that the Titans can absolutely put up two guys with a thousand yards.
1: He's already nicked up though. He's already limping around in camp and that's coming off of, years of injuries as an older player that makes me a little nervous on that end those Steelers are talking to me I I can't make heads or tails (laughs) of those Steelers at the bottom Mr. Pass Dropper and Claypool who's kind of like uh kind of has acquiring the personality of a Steelers receiver um you know at the one hand that over under for Claypool is really low and our Kubiak is high uh, but uh, and Andrew, you'll probably speak to this. The number of footballs to go around and projected rolls makes that really weird.
2: Hmm. Yeah, for for um, for for me, the only thing stopping Kittle going over is injury. Okay. Um, I think Kittle's Kubiak
0: is only at nine twenty, and that's a there's not enough balls to go around problem. Yeah, because do you know there was like no games last year where Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Both played, or there was like one, there was like one game or something. Mm. Like they were never on the field at the same time. And now the 49ers have to figure out how to feed their running game and Iuk and Debo Samuel and George Kittle.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I, I consider him the number one guy in that offense. So
2: that He's that the guy
0: good. you think if they have to decide between feeding a bunch of guys, Kittle's the guys they to yeah.
2: feed. K- Kittle's the safety net in the way that that most of those receivers aren't quite, you know. Um, there, there's going to be – there's always going to be targets for Kittle. Um, there always has been in, in the Shanahan offense targets for the tight end. That's been Kittle. That's been Vernon Davis. I um,
0: did prorate to 1270 over 16 games last year.
2: Mm. Yeah, and he was over this figure in both of the previous years as well. Um and you know, you even go back to like Jordan Reed in Washington, and so on. You know, there's always been targets for the tight ends in that offense. I, I would see um, Kittle going over that unless he gets hurt.
0: Yeah, I like Claypool. Yeah, uh, I like um, Jones, even though I know he's he's did there. He is a little nicked up right now. I want to watch yeah. that news before putting the bet down. Uh, Lock it a little bit,
1: but I mean, I bit. think he'll end
0: up he'll end up pretty close to this either way.
1: Yeah. He's got that long track record of coming in right at around like a thousand yards. Yeah. Yeah. It
0: was a thousand fifty four last year. So
1: yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, all right, let's look at the cool combination bets. <laughs> so this is how we sort of started the discussion because uh, we were like geeking out over CD Lamp in uh, training camp, and then mm-hmm. Mike went and found some of these cool combo bets. Okay. Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and CD Lamb over 3,500. But it's plus, a plus 400
1: at a plus 400. Look at this. You do not have to worry about who the number one is in Dallas because you can get all three of them. I ran it in walkthrough and I don't have it in front of me right now. Our Kubiak on them combines for like 29.50, 20, yeah. 2950. And if you look at the projection, of course, the projections from the first five games for the Cowboys last year were silly time because they were in all these shootouts. But they yeah. projected, they would have projected with Prescott to go way over that. And again, I am I have a hard time doing anything Cowboys related because I'm based in Philadelphia and there's like an old aversion to that. But if I'm just looking at a prop and I can get plus 400 and just sit there and watch the Cowboys offense feed the three of them, that's really enticing. That's really tasty at that value.
0: Yeah, I like that one at plus 400 too. I would go over on that.
2: Only for the value, um, I don't. I don't actually think that they'll they'll combine for that. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's a lot of yards to put between just three players, yeah. um, when well, you have to account for receptions from running backs. And yeah, okay, you look at like who's who's going to be the person catching those passes. Sometimes that doesn't actually matter because the targets still end up going there, even without. Yeah you know, your, your pass-catching, your star pass-catching back, your star pass-catching tight end, they still eat into those totals. Right. And I think for those guys to be at 3,500 receiving yards, you're really looking for Prescott to be thrown for about 5,000, 5,500 yards.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's a lot of yards. Yeah.
1: Yeah,
2: but it's, 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 it's the value. Because if this was plus
1: 110, it's like, well, the heck with that. noise. It's is plus 400.
0: Yeah. yeah. Here's one that's closer to even. Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts over 2250 at plus 140. See, I'm just I'm scared of the rookie tight end thing. I'm just too scared of the rookie tight end thing to bet this.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole for the rookie tight end reason. They just they, they don't normally have that big an impact. You're probably based on like previous rookie tight ends. You're probably looking at Ridley having to have about 1,750 of those yards yeah. to be hitting the over on that. I know. Don't bet the Falcons, ever. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: what, have you ever met a happy Falcons fan? You've never met a happy Falcons fan. Don't bet the Falcons. They will break your heart one way or other.
0: Um, jamar chase and t higgins also over 2250 receiving yards but that one is at plus 190 and i'll point out the kubiak projection is very similar for both of these bets at about
1: 1950. yeah this this is the Tyler boyd spoiler bet too to a degree
0: yeah and also the like Isborough fully healthy bet
1: right. yeah this, this is the there's a lot of ways this could go wrong bet Combined with I'm betting on the Bengals,
2: question mark, question mark, question mark, and it's like, well, I can I can kind of step down the road. Yeah, that, what goes in this bet's favor is I don't think the Bengals are going to be good. I don't know anybody right. who does think the Bengals are going to be good and bad teams throw a lot. You're talking about the top two targets on a bad team that's throwing a lot that potentially has that franchise quarterback. I'm not betting it. Um, yeah. But I can see I can see a scenario where it happens, but I can see a lot of scenarios where it doesn't. Right. The next one is Jarvis Landry
0: and Odell Beckham Jr. over two thousand receiving yards. That one is also plus one ninety, and the Kubiak projection on those two guys combined is sixteen seventy.
1: Oof, oof, and you're looking at you're you're flushing that money down the potty. When Beckham, Beckham, pulls Beckham up gets ham- hurt well Hamstring yeah. week four and that's it And Jarvis Landry catching 150 Balls for 800 yards Whatever he will do it uh, yeah. Doesn't help
0: I think the problem Here is just that the Browns like to run so Much the Browns so well. like to
1: run. Landry likes to catch micro passes and Beckham Gets hurt I, I thought it was interesting Because there's a lot of chatter about the Browns and their famous Players I don't I don't like to play
0: Um the next one is A.J. Brown and Julio Jones over 2,000 receiving yards. And this one is at minus 200. So this is actually favored to hit. right? And I feel like that's the problem is yeah. you would have to bet 100 on this to get 50 back. And the odds of Julio getting injured are just too strong to do a bet with one to two odds like that.
1: Here's the thing. This was the only one where going under they were taking plus 150 yeah you can go under on this in plus 150 so if you're sitting there like me worried about julio jo- julio. julio julio jones's mm-hmm. uh injury or Derek henry running for six million yards or whatever you could take the under on this conceivably and have a little bit of meat on it
0: so what do you think andrew would you go over on this for minus 200
2: under for plus 150 or neither you're you're asking me to bet on the, the health of a, what, 32-year-old yeah. wide receiver who's just switched teams. That's what you're asking me to bet on with that. If, if Jones is healthy for the year, and I can know Jones is going to be healthy for the year, then they'll go over. And, and I would be fairly comfortable saying they'll go over. If... Jones misses half the year like he did last year, or if he's hobbled, yeah. That I don't like betting on players' health, yeah. and, and I feel like this is specifically betting on the health of Julio Jones. Right. So you wouldn't go with either. I wouldn't go with
0: either. at Yeah, I don't think I would go with either. Also, I would go with the under if it was plus two hundred. Okay. <laughs> and I would go with the over if it was minus one hundred and fifty. Okay. But at minus 200 and plus 150, I don't think I would go with either.
1: Yeah. And what Andrew said, like rooting against somebody, rooting for a Hall of Famer to get hurt is a little creepy for me. It is a little creepy. It is a little creepy, yeah.
0: Yeah. Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans, over 3,500. Same as the Cooper, Gallup, and Lamb one, Mm -hmm. plus 400.
1: Yeah. And this one, I like the Cowboys one better because I can see Prescott – throwing the ball all over creation even more than Brady for a variety of reasons. And I'm less worried about other guys leeching uh, yeah. catches than I am with like, you know, the Scotty Millers and the tight ends, uh, yeah. you know, and, and the backs leeching. Bucks, from the yeah. Three. yeah.
0: Kubiak, by the way, is in agreement with you. Kubiak's projection for the three Dallas receivers is 2950. And Kubiak's projection for the three Buccaneers receivers is only 2525.
2: Right. What's the, um, what's the line on taking the under on that one? I don't know if they're the only under
1: that they were allowing that I saw that was posted was the AJ Browns and one. Right. So they, they only take action one way on a lot of these.
2: Yeah. Cause I, I would be more tempted by depending on the price by an under on that because Brady just historically does such a good job of spreading the ball around between all of his guys. Right, And you've got Gronk there, you've got Howard yeah. there, you've got <laughs> Grape there, you've got pass... Well, the, their, their backs last year were, were terrible for drops. Right, but, but now you've got getting, Giovanni Bernard. They've got yeah. Bernard, they've, they've got... They're still getting the targets, even though they were bad for drops, they're still getting the targets and they're still right. getting the So unless you think Brady's going to throw for 6,000 yards, right. I don't see how this goes over.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, I would like the under on this, too, also because of the possibility that Antonio Brown is a dumbass.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was <laughs> letting that one slide, but let's go with it. Perfect.
0: <laughs> and then the last one you picked out, was gets to my Patriots' heart. Yeah. Hunter Henry and Johnu Smith combined for over 1,500 receiving yards, Woo. plus 1,200.
1: That's uh, – that was for you and also because it's it's loopy i mean it's a loopy thing when you think about it. the the two tight ends going for 1500 like, i'd have to
0: look in nfl history to yeah. see if there's ever been a team where two tight ends combined for over 1500 receiving
1: yards. It, it would be a, it i would think be a, a, kansas a,
0: city last year because travis kelsey had almost all of
1: them himself but right there's probably a couple of yeah kellen winslow senior and eric sievers where one guy had 1200 and the other guy had like a little Bit but I, I was unable I didn't have that time This morning to look it up I'm afraid but it, It's weird and it's wacky But it's at plus 1200 Which for a Patriots fan You have to be like well like you're, you're kind of Betting on the offense to function in the way that Belichick hopes it functions Yeah and you're going to get 12 12 to 1 on that It's it's got to be somewhat Somewhat uh, uh, sexy to somebody
0: This is honestly the kind of thing I would throw 10 bucks at so. yeah like not a serious bet
1: Right Yeah, that's that's a homer that's a, It's a homer bet that like is fun You spend your Sundays Just rooting for every tight end catch Making a big deal out of it
0: <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then seriously Dalton Keen
1: Turns out to be like a superstar and you're, you're, you're screwed.
0: Unlikely <laughs> more, more likely that Nelson Aguilar And Jacoby Myers are getting the catches Than that Dalton Keene is getting them I think
1: <laughs> Can I throw one at you real quick for tonight?
0: Oh, my God, a Hall of Fame game bet. Bring it on.
1: Well, okay, first half over, and this is just a regular straight money line, the over-under on the first half is 16.5. Any interest in – because you're going to watch the first half of that game before you pass out from boredom and Ben DiNucci shows up. Is there – I am looking at that over, and I might take it to keep myself uh, uh, alert for that first half. Thoughts?
0: I can see it against two second team defenses i listen there is a whole science to betting on the preseason and it is not a science that i have ever done research in (laughs) Good, (laughs) but the people who are serious people who are serious bettors believe there is serious money to be made on the preseason if you know when to bet uh and what to bet on and i don't know if over under on the hall of fame game is one of those things i, I think i would lean towards over 16.5 in the first half also in the,
1: in the first half you got dwayne haskins out there i'm guessing it's Garrett gilbert out there so you've got quarterbacks who should know what they're doing they're competing hard rudolph also a guy with starting experience so i i might do it just to give myself something to cheer for come on you're in a fantasy league with three sports you're yes. going to face the league with three points. You can turn around and say, well, yeah, preseason football. We're, we're all in this together, man.
0: <laughs> all right. One more thing before we sign off. Uh, Bill Houston has a question. Can I get some analysis of the Giants' team wide brawl and coach Judge's decision to throw the whole team out of practice as punishment? Somewhere Rex Ryan is flush with coaching pride. <laughs> Mike, you have any thoughts on this?
1: I wish I was there. That was my first thought. I wish I'm there every day. I might try to run up there because today's big thing is Jason Garrett ca- telling the press pool that he must be called coach. Yes. Yes. He's got are, Deion
0: Sanders on the brain, apparently.
1: He has Deion Sanders on the brain there. And it kind of, I can't help but think that the, the coaches there are not where they need to be mentally, and the team is not where they need to be mentally. This fight happens after days and days where, like, Evan Ingram's running a, a punishment lap, Daniel Jones is running a punishment lap, the whole defense is running a punishment lap. And they sound like a coaching staff that's gotten into this mentality, and they aren't in the mentality of hey, this is a bunch of twenty-something multi-millionaire professionals who've been at their jobs for several years and know what they're doing, and shouldn't be running laps while Art Stapleton, and Tom Rock, and Matt Lombardo are like hey, check mark, check mark, check mark. going I talk about this in the press? Yeah, you know, Looney, they sign Looney. He 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 quits after this. He quits football after this. Like I'm not showing up here as a veteran offensive lineman to get involved in the brawl, be forced to run laps, and then then leave. So. It's a really weird situation. I I don't see how this equates to, this is the story of how the team galvanized as a team and became Super Bowl champions. I don't see how in the year 2021 it works that way.
0: If this seems like something Urban Meyer would do.
1: (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Urban Meyer seems like more like he'd go play golf and like not worry about it. Like Steve Sperry wouldn't do this. Steve Sperry would be on the golf course wondering what happened in practice today. So
0: all right. Bill Houston liked your answer about the Giants. So uh, we agree if the Giants do galvanize and win the Super Bowl, it will be because Daniel Jones takes a colossal step forward, not because the whole team had to run laps.
1: <laughs> yeah, the walkthrough that I read at the Super Bowl will say the exact opposite because I'll have all these great quotes to use. But you're right. Won't change the fact that you're right.
0: All right. <laughs> that is the Football Outsiders Radio Hour. Thank you to Andrew Potter and Mike Tanier for joining me this week. Thank you to all of you for listening and watching. Again, Football Outsiders Radio Hour is at twitch.tv slash FB Outsiders every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget to also watch the Scott Spratt Fantasy Show on Twitch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. If you are listening to us as a podcast, please rate us with many stars in your podcast app. It helps people to find the show. Thank you so much for watching slash listening. And we will talk to you next Thursday for another Football Outsiders Radio Hour. Bye-bye.